I actually looked it up on YouTube and how to pronounce that name because I was wanting to say Michael. And I thought that sounds like a, a man's name, but it's, 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 a, yeah, it's a Israelite name, obviously. It's Michal, but I'm not going to do that. So Michal is very, very good. Um, one other thing before I start as well. Those of you that have come to this service a lot have probably heard me speak on this passage at least twice before. So I want to say, disclaimer, and I know, I know it's uh, every time I've spoken on it, I said, I love this Bible passage. It wasn't me that chose it again, okay? It was somebody else, but I was absolutely delighted when I realized I'd got this passage again. Uh, let's pray, and, uh, yeah, and then we'll start. Uh, Lord, I thank you for our freedom that we have in this country to come and worship you without fear of being arrested or fear of persecution. But Lord, I do pray as well as we look at this passage that you would speak to us by your spirit and you would allow us to become even more free in our hearts to worship you. That perhaps those things that hold us back that we feel pressure from, you would loose and free us from tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a little bit of fun before we start. I'm gonna, you don't have to talk to your neighbour, but I'm going to ask you a question. And if you want to share your answer with your neighbour, please feel free to do, do so. We're going to play a little game of Would You Rather. It's quite popular in my house with my, my daughters. The idea is they give you an option and you have to choose one. You can't say neither or both. You just have to choose one of the options, okay? So, would you rather have the whiskers of a cat or the tail of a cat? Discuss. Share your answer really, really quickly. It's always dangerous to do this because I'm a bit nervous now. I'm not going to be able to get your attention back. Okay, that should be enough chance for you to all, to all have come to some sort of conclusion. We're going to have a little vote. Who would rather have the whiskers of a cat? Oh, and who would rather have the tail of a cat? Yeah, I'd rather have the tail of a cat as well. There was another one, we're not going to do this, but another one, uh, that was one um, my eldest daughter came up with, my youngest daughter came up with this one uh, when we played it. Would you rather have the body of a human and the head of a fish or the body of a parrot and the head of a human. I'll leave that one for later. They're, they're, they're quite fun. They're quite fun to do, I think. Um, but let me explain why I find them quite fun, and this is probably going to ruin the game for, for, for most of you, because I analyse the answers, and I like to think, what's happening underneath that decision? See, the question you're asking is maybe people uh, make an evaluation on some of the things they think are important or less important. I heard someone over here, she remained nameless, saying, oh, I want the whiskers because that will look quite sassy, I think the word was. It will look quite good. Okay. It was the tail. Okay, it was the tail. Okay. So, so, they, so there was a... 
there was an evaluation. I chose the tail because I thought I'd be able to hide that more easily from other people. This is my own confession. I'll be able to hide that more easily. So when I go out in public, I won't have cat whiskers on the show and people won't be looking at me going, ooh, what do they look like? When you ask things like that, actually what's going on underneath is you're evaluating in your mind things that are important to you, what's more important to you, and you're, make, you're making an answer based on values that you have. Why did I introduce our topic that way? Because I think our passage that we had tonight poses us a question. Would you rather be more like David or like Michal? I think we all know the answer here. I hope most of us, in that, in, after we've heard that Bible passage, would like to be more like David than Michal. But I think, if we're honest, as we go through this passage, there's a lot of times that we're quite like Michal, where we are not free in our worship and we end up being more concerned about what other people think about us and less free in our worship and praise of God than we would like. Uh, when I was growing up, some of you have heard this, uh, 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 I've shared this about myself in, in the past, but I just want to remind you, when I was growing up in my teenage years, I made the mistake, and it was a big mistake, uh, of keeping it secret that I went to church on a Sunday. At school, none of my friends knew that I went to church and that I was a Christian. I, left a double, I led a double life. And it led me down a really dangerous path. It was a mistake I wish I'd never made. Never wish I made. And I, when I went to university, it led me down the path of just totally ignoring the church side and walking away from God. And I ended up having some of the worst time of my life at university. And all of that was because I was embarrassed about going to church on a Sunday, about calling Jesus my friend in front of other people. And it slowly took me further and further away from God. And so one of the reasons why I love this passage is not just because it's amusing to think of a king dancing in his underpants before the entire uh, nation for his entire people. That is an amusing picture to have in your mind. But I love this passage because it reminds me of a choice I eventually had to make in my life. And it reminds me of the importance of putting God first over what people think of me. It reminds me of that time when I placed too much significance on those around me and what they might think rather than having freedom for who God made me to be. I'll come back to how I experienced that freedom later. But I love in this passage to see the joy of David. It's a real powerful reminder, I think, of what God wants us to be like as we go after him in our lives. God desperately wants us as well to be more like David and less like Michal. Now, I hope it's not just me that has this battle going on inside my heart, and it still goes on inside my heart to this day at different moments and in different seasons. I hope it's not just me. I think that battle does go on in all of us from time to time. 
we all have this concern, don't we, of wanting to rein ourselves in, of making sure other people see us as cool or not stupid and crazy or insane by doing something crazy. And so we rein ourselves in and maybe aren't as free in our relationship with God and what we say and what we do as we should be. So I want to share with you a few things tonight that I think will be helpful to us to maybe take a few steps further along in the path to being a little bit more like David and a little less like Mikhail. And so the first thing I want to share is simply this, is remember God is with you. It sounds quite simple, but the primary thing I think that is moving David to dance with all his might in this passage is because he knew God was with him. He said in the passage that he was dancing before the Lord with all his might. He knew God's presence was there, close at hand with him. For those of you that were here last week, this story is happening probably 40-ish years before the, um, uh, before the temple was finally built that this ark went in. But this was the moment the ark was brought back in to the city. And um, this ark is the symbol. It was a symbol of God's presence amongst his people. It was something that uh, the Israelites had lost in a battle a, a long time before, before David was king. They had, the people of Israel had gone away from God and they had whipped the ark out in a battle that they were losing, um, thinking, oh, if we just whip the ark out, that'll be fine. Um, we'll lift it up and then we'll win the battle and everything will be okay. Then we can just throw that back in the temple and go back to our lives. Well, God wasn't impressed with that attitude, so they lost it. But anyway, I'm digressing. David has found the ark. He knows where it is and he's bringing it back in and he is full of joy knowing that God's presence is going to be with him and not just with him but at the heart of the nation. It's going to be a place where it's going to be put in a place where his, the people can come and draw close to God. God had not abandoned them any longer but was back with them. David was full of joy because God's presence was close at hand. That all-powerful, all-loving promise of God that he, that he had made with them was with them. Well, that's even more true for us today than it was for David back then. We don't need an ark. God's presence is closer at hand to us day by day and moment to moment than we care to realize. If we have come to God or drawn into him, his presence lives inside us. And he can, when we realize that, fill us with an indescribable peace and joy that will help us to worship him in the moment. It's easy to forget in the business of life that God is with us, but he is with us. And if we stop and pause and reflect and know that, as I try to do in moments during the day, it does fill us again with a renewed confidence to be more what God has called us to be. That's the incredible truth of the gospel message. God is with us. 
back to what I mentioned earlier about me walking away from the Lord at my time at university. When I went through a tough time at, uh, at university, some of you going away to university, most students have a wonderful time, so please don't feel like you're going to have a bad time if you go away. It was just weird people like me that don't sometimes. Um, uh, there was one of the few places where I found joy was actually in the nightclub doing a little bit of dancing. I've always enjoyed uh, dancing. Patrick likes it as well, as we found out uh, this evening. Um, that was one of, one of the things where I really found a little bit of joy. But I'd never, ever done that in church. When I came back to God, another story, I went to a um, Soul Survivor. They did this thing called Momentum, which was for, for students. I went there, and I remember having the deepest moment of joy that I've ever had, dancing with God in worship. That's all I can describe it. So that's another reason why I love this passage, because when I... Uh, I, um, I, I see David, it reminds me of that joy I had, knowing that God was with me and dancing and being able to express it for, uh, in a way that I had never been able to before. Dancing brought me great joy and I did it knowing that I was doing it before God. It brings incredible joy and freedom. That's another reason why this passage is really special to me. Now you might not like dancing and I'm not saying this passage is not I'm not trying to turn us all into dancers before God. But what I am trying to encourage us all to do is to just be free in our expression of thanks to God, to not hold back. Because actually, we should find joy in knowing God is with us. God has given us different gifts, different ways that we can express our joy that bring joy to him and bring joy to us as well. God has a desire for us to be free in our worship of him, to not hold back. And he's given you tools, I think, each of you, each and every one of us, he's given us tools that, so we can do that, so we can be free and joyful in our worship in him. Our focus in worship should always be on the Lord. David had his presence, knew the presence of God was with him and that was what his focus was on, on the Lord. That's another thing we're told in that passage. So we need to be less concerned about what others think and more focused on God's presence with us and on who he is. There's a wonderful verse in Galatians 5.1 that somebody mentioned totally independently in the prayer meeting for the church, but is in my talk. Galatians 5.1 says this, it is for freedom that Christ has freed us. It is for freedom that Christ has freed us. He wants us to be people that are free to use the gifts he has given us in our worship and praise of him. And we do it before him, not before anyone else, no matter what the world tries to tell us. And we just want, I just want to consciously say it's really difficult because the world does constantly tell us we need to really care about what we look, the way we behave, what we buy. And most of the time the advertising is done that is so, so you'll look better than other people because subliminally that means you need to compare yourself to other people. 
And God doesn't want us to do that. God just wants us to be free in who we are before him. We often want to appear all sorted, but we're not. But we can still be free before God. The next question I want us to ask was what happens when you're not feeling joyful? When you're not in that moment of total joy before God and dancing before him. When your heart seems far from that, maybe circumstances or other things in your life leave you far from being in that place. What do we do? I think the second thing I want to share with us is if we find ourselves in that place, is we need to come to God and still worship him with honesty. God does want us to worship him with all that we are, but sometimes, for whatever reason, our all may be slightly less than we want it to be. But we need to recognize that. The first commandment is, I hope you all know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, mind, and strength. We could pick apart what each of those means, but let's just say that's God saying he wants us to love him with everything that we are, with everything about ourselves. And I think that means we need to come before him honestly with what we can give and what we have. I think God does want us to come to him with our feelings and our emotions. I think if we end up worshiping God and ignoring our feelings and emotions in us, it can lead us, and just go through the motions, it can, it can lead us perhaps into a dark place and maybe a disconnection or anger with God. So what do we do? I think you simply, as I said, come acknowledging who you are and wait patiently for God to make that difference in your heart so perhaps you can bring those emotions and that joy back. David was not always like we saw him in this passage. David had some really dark times. There was even dark times in getting the ark back to Jerusalem. One of, his, uh, one of the high priests, Uzzah, died the first time David tried to get the ark back, and David was distraught. But what does David do in those moments? I think... Psalm 40, a psalm written by David, tells us some of the tricks that he have just in the first few verses of it. I haven't got a page number, I'm sorry, but do feel free to turn to it. In verse 2 of Psalm 40, uh, David says that he was in the pit of destruction and stuck in a miry clay. But we're told in the next couple of lines, that God lifted him from that pit of destruction, set his feet upon a rock, and put a song of praise in his mouth. So what happened between being stuck in a pit of miry clay to singing praise to God? David tells us the answer right at the start of the psalm. 
he waited patiently for God. He waited patiently for the Lord. David didn't simply go through the motions of worship, nor did he give up on worship. Instead, he waited patiently for the Lord, and the Lord helped him bring him back to singing songs of praise to him. What does that phrase mean, waiting patiently for the Lord? I can tell you something it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean passively waiting, doing nothing. That's not what the Hebrew word there means. It's more like an eagerly seeking. It means taking steps towards God and remembering some of the promises he does. Taking steps towards God to letting him help us. As you do that, expecting him to work in you. How do we do that specifically? Well, I think we do that specifically by, even when we don't feel like it, is spending some time focusing on God. Don't let the issue or thing it is in your heart become all-consuming in your time with God. Recognize it's there, but instead, Look to God with faith. Trust him to meet you, to help you, and to change you. Pray and ask him to help you worship him, to help you take your mind off whatever it is. Be honest with him about your situation, and perhaps if it's you know, some, uh, a sin or something like that, you need to confess it. And again, be assured of his forgiveness when you do that. But ask for God to come and pour his spirit in you that you may begin to focus on him again in the way that you would want. And peace and joy comes from that. You can spend time listening to others' worship, reading scripture, hear, listen to truth in songs or other people saying. I think sometimes when we sing songs as well, in worship, honestly recognizing that perhaps our full emotion isn't in there. Even as we do that, God can come and meet with us and give us a peace in that moment. It can, listening to truths like that can sort of be a fuel that helps the, the, the fire of worship get reignited in us. And the final thing I think we can do is we need to just, as we've talked about at the start, is be patient. Don't expect an instant answer sometimes from God. It's called waiting for a reason. God might change your heart instantly or it might take some time. But his timing is all about his perfect love for you. So continue to wait for him. And he does promise, our God does promise, that when we seek him with our hearts, we will find him. When we press in to God, he will come to us, we're told, in Hosea, like a spring rain pouring down on blessings on us, refreshing us. And our heart's hungers will eventually be satisfied by him. So keep coming to God in worship and be honest with him, even if you're not sure your heart is there in that moment. Do those things. And the final thing I said, and this one, might surprise you, but I found it really encouraging. I think when we're free in worship, it blesses 
others. It blesses the community. At the end of the passage, I wonder if you heard David's response to Michal. It was before the Lord, verse 21. When you worship, we keep our focus on God. But then David continues in verse 22. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But, he says, by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. Michal has criticized him for worshiping and praising the Lord in public. And David's comeback is, is actually, those people that watch me won't think, actually, I'm undignified. They're going to hold me in honor because they've seen me praising and worshiping the Lord. It has been a blessing to them. I think when we respond with freedom in worship, it blesses communities because it uplifts others that others, they see you full of joy, praising and worshiping God. And it also gives them permission to be free as well in their praise and worship of God. Jen, you shared at the start, sorry to pick on you, but you shared you found it self, quite self-conscious to raise your hand um, when you're up the front leading worship. For me, I find that a real encouragement when I see not just you, but worship leaders raising their hand and praising God as they lead us in worship. It gives us permission, doesn't it, to be more free in our praise and worship of God. And it's not just for the people at the front that lead us. It's for those around us too. Rather than looking like a fool, I think those that are also following God, it actually helps us look to God and give more praise and glory to him. Patrick mentioned new wine as well at the start in the notices. I wonder, <coughs> have any of you been away to a big Christian conference or event? Has any of you felt more free in worship there and perhaps you are in other places. I hope not here, but maybe here. I think one of the reasons around that is when you go there, you have people that are totally free in worship. And so how you want to, to, to praise and worship God is, feels more acceptable and you feel more free to do it. That's certainly, you know, sort of, I, I've seen, that was certainly true of me in, in the past going away to places like that. I just want to encourage us, if that's you, feel free to worship God how you want here. I hope we're reasonably free in worship. But as I said at the start, I'd like us all in our hearts to maybe take a little bit step closer to being even more free to God because that's what he, he free to God in worship because that's what he wants us to be. So let me finish by just asking you this question. Because we're going to go back to worship, I think, in a few moments' time. Patrick's going to come up in a, in a moment, and then the band. How will you worship God in a moment when we sing songs of praise to him? Is God calling you to worship him a little bit more freely tonight? Is there something you've been holding back from that you're fearful maybe of doing because you're scared of what others might think of you? I hope you feel free here now to worship him 
in the way that he wants you to worship. David did it. And he was the best king Israel ever had. And I think if we can be even more free in our worship here, it will grow God's kingdom here in Claygate. It will speak to other people. It will grow our confidence in him and shine God's love even brighter to our friends and to our neighbors. Because people love seeing other people that are free in worship. It does bring transformation.